I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Moster, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me everywhere at nonsense underscore Steve. I am joined, as always, by Mr. Neil Smith. Neil, how are we doing this evening? Doing well, doing well. Uh, another week, another week in the books. But this is the show, folks. This is the AFC Ooh. show. We're here. Get ready Boy, for the after, after a sad week of us agreeing with each other on the AFC East, here comes my love letter to the AFC South. Because there's not a lot here that I don't like compared to expert consensus. If you thought it was hot outside where you live, a lot of hot air. It's not going to get better in the next hour, folks. Get ready for these takes, because they are going to be scorching, baby. Uh, As usual, all advice, rankings, and data based on a typical 12-team PPR league. Ten starters, QB, two running back, three wideout, tight end, flex, defense, and kicker with six bench. The expert consensus is from our guys at Fantasy Pros. ADP is from FantasyFootballCalculator.com. It is the AFC South, as we talked about, and we are starting it off hot, Neil. Hot! Houston Texans. Look, defensively, this team was horrendous. I don't think anybody can debate that, and it didn't wow, get that was any kind. better. That was so with, kind. Uh, with losing DJ Raider and, or DJ Reader and Jonathan Joseph. So uh, the defense is going to get worse. Meanwhile, the headline heard around the world was the trade of DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm going to gloss right over that. Just barely going to acknowledge it. <laughs> it's, it's been talked about so much, I feel like it's not necessary. We talked about it in the offseason a bunch. Even the terrible picks, the compensation, it is what it is. All we care about from a fantasy standpoint is player for player. So DeAndre Hopkins goes to Arizona for David Johnson is what it essentially boils down to. They also let Carlos Hyde walk, but that's obviously okay because of David Johnson coming in. They signed Randall Cobb to play the slot and finally have a legitimate slot receiver. And they acquire Brandon Cooks from the Rams. So we're starting off with QB, Deshaun. He is QB6 in the ECR. Neil, why does the public hate Deshaun Watson because they're too busy not paying attention to stats and trying to make Josh Allen be a thing as we covered last week you know ad nauseum and it's just if you in a world where there's a guy who's more athletic than Josh Allen with a higher accuracy percentage (laughs) and we'll put him one spot ahead of the ECR it's it's madness it's madness it's utter people hate Deshaun Watson I think because it's a uh I think they still hold the injuries against him, Steve. I think they're still living in the, 2016. I think they're they still they haven't, haven't the, adjusted. The weakest argument you could possibly make for me, and the only argument I have heard from literally anyone online disparaging Deshaun Watson, because, again, I, we, we've talked about it. We've seen people with Deshaun Watson outside of their top 12. Uh, that's just stupid. Like I'm, uh, you're everybody's entitled to their opinion. Do whatever math you want. If Deshaun Watson's outside of your top twelve, 
you need to reconsider what you're doing because this is just you're wrong on so many levels. Horrendously Unless you're protecting wrong. him for four fumbles a game. Everybody's talking about I can't trust Deshaun because all of his stats were focused in on Hopkins, and we don't know where those numbers are going to go to now. So I can't trust Deshaun. That is completely ridiculous. First of all, they added Cobb, they added Cooks. Fuller is back for the three games that he's healthy. They added David Johnson. They still have weapons on the offense. Also, need I remind you that last year, yes, they fed the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. They have for Watson's entire career, but they had Kenny Stills. Fuller was in and out of the lineup. They had QT. They had uh, Darren Fells. They were throwing the ball occasionally to Duke Johnson. There was really not a lot on that offense to begin with. And now instead of one guy in DeAndre Hopkins, you have four or five guys that you're going to be spreading the ball around to. So the idea that they're just never going to throw the ball now because Hopkins is gone is ludicrous. Well, and also that's number up, one. You upgraded your RB one, yeah, from Carlos Hyde to David Johnson, and, as, and we'll I get know, there too. I know. Oh, hold on, just I can hear the screaming in the distance of all the people that hate <laughs> David Johnson. We'll get there, but what does David Johnson do well? Catch the ball, <laughs> backfield. Yep. And I still have Duke Johnson, and we'll get there. But the, the idea that they're just never going to throw. And they're just going to give the ball to David Johnson, or they're just going to be a horrendous offense. I think it's specious reasoning, to say the least. So the offensive line is better. The running game is arguably better. And, and like I said, the biggest problem for me with the Texans' offense has always been the fact that it's been one guy. As a Texan fan, the problem has been if you're the opposing defense, put three guys on Nuke. It hasn't mattered. But you put three guys on Nuke and make literally anyone else beat you. And at times last year, that was Kenny Stills. When he was healthy, it may have been Will Fuller. There was Darren Fells for a few games, even uh, Jordan Akins. Like, different guys stepped up when they needed to, but it was literally let anybody but Nuke beat you. You don't have that option anymore. Now they're going to spread the ball around. It's going to be a more balanced and efficient NFL offense. And Deshaun Watson is still going to get his... You can't at the same time that you're making this Josh Allen argument that his passing statistics don't matter, that the yardage he doesn't get doesn't matter, that his inaccuracy doesn't matter because he has such a rushing floor. When Deshaun Watson puts up literally the same rushing numbers outside of the touchdowns and he puts up significantly better passing numbers. He's Josh Allen, but can throw the ball. And in his NFL career, Neil, fun fact, Deshaun Watson, his first season, his rookie year, 2017, he only played seven games before he got injured with the ACL injury, right? On a per-game basis in 2017, he was QB, do you know it? Offhand, I don't. Why don't you tell me? Number one. QB number (laughs) one in 2017. Uh, Two years ago... When he was on a per-game basis, 2018, second year, he was QB2. Last year, points per game basis, he was QB number two. Two. In his career, (laughs) he has not finished outside of the top two at quarterback on a points per game basis. (laughs) So to have him outside of the top 12 is pure insanity. 
Our and website also, has them at four. I've got them three. So do you. ADP is QB six. And I feel great about it, especially to, again, to the point about Josh Allen. People are all ready to try and line up and anoint this guy who has yet to crack the 60% for the year barrier. That was That's worse than Deshaun's first year for his season, abbreviated though it might be, where he got to 62. The last two years, he's averaging 67% completion. I understand that Nuke's not there anymore. I totally get it. Like It makes sense, and it's scary to a certain extent. But is that going to suddenly just make him completely wildly inaccurate to the point that he's going to fall 10 percentage points in his accuracy metric? No, no, that's not, that's not, that's not how that works historically. That would be some sort of record. Yeah. Like I said, it's just the only thing, the only argument that anybody can ever make or tries to make is that, well, I don't know where he's going to throw it now. And given the fact that, as I said, the defense got worse. Which is why I always try to lead with the defense, because when we're talking about offensive production, there's an obvious correlation. If they're trailing and trying to chase points in every single game, obviously they're going to be throwing the ball a whole bunch. And in our splits that we had for this season's projection, last year they came in at 15th in passing plays. The team, I believe, got worse defensively when they had the resources to get better, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, They got... Up to 12th in our projections for passing plays in the league. So numbers went up in that regard. Passing yards up. Passing touchdowns up. Efficiency about the same. Rushing yards about the same. When you correlate the amount of extra pass attempts he's going to get, even without Hopkins, we have Deshaun Watson projected as our second-rated quarterback. To have him outside of your top 12 is just... I can't even with these people, Neil. I just can't do it. You mentioned it. Let's talk about some of those weapons individually that that he's going to be throwing to the ball to when they're trailing by 20 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so the other one that just blows my mind is David Johnson. So expert consensus is 21. I'm sorry, running back 21, 50 overall. On our website, he's 36 overall, RB17. I have him at RB12. You have him RB14. He's going ADP. RB19, going to own so much David Johnson this year. Just, oh, the amount of David Johnson I'm going to own. Oof. <laughs> yeah, you're going to outkick me. You're going to outkick the, the ECR is the one that I find the most troubling, which informs the ADP, obviously, as we talk about every week as we do these run-up to the season shows. And <clears throat> I got to say, kudos, America. Some of you are paying attention. To at least be a little higher, yeah. Yeah, to at least go the right direction with it. Because for all the reasons that we just outlined, the only argument that I've seen that makes any sense to me is if you're just taking the stance that David Johnson just isn't the player that he used to be, and so there's a cha- there's a non-zero chance that he's just done, and so I can't justify taking him with an RB pick that high. But to me, you're kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth, would you not agree, by ranking him at 20? That's just a hedge as to like, you don't even know, we don't even know what to do with this. He could yeah. be a top 10 guy. He could fall out of the top 30. It's all going to depend on his injuries and his health, you know, and it, it's just a total hedge. And for me, the pass catching alone that he's going to enjoy, especially for our projection and for what I think they're going to end up having to do, the pa- the only way that he could not be in the top 20 for me is if he took some sort of devastating injury 
but there's no, I have no like real reason to suggest that he's just flat out done. I just don't think he was, a, I think he was a little bit hurt again in Arizona. And yeah. I just don't think he was a fit for what they wanted to do by the time all was said and done. They just, it just wasn't going to work. So they move on, but I can't, I can't go with the industry logic that is, eh, you might be able to get something out of him. We'll put him at the, just outside the top 20. Cause we don't, we're not really confident. Like, no, that, that doesn't track with me. There's too many other guys that fall into that mold that are justifiably there as opposed to David Johnson, who I, I just, right. I don't hashtag not dead yet. Right. I mean, the industry, again, this is the exact same analysis that I have seen used for uh, Cam Newton that I mentioned last week with the washed, he's <laughs> done, it's over, the scientific analysis uh, on David Johnson. But when you go back and actually look through the stats, everybody says, just look at the tape last year. Look at how slow and inefficient David Johnson was. First of all, when you look at last year, David Johnson, 17.7 touches in the first two weeks, or I'm sorry, the first six weeks last year, when he was healthy and playing for Arizona. And remember, the starting quarterback, Kyler Murray, was a rookie starting directly out of the draft, and every defense's strategy was eight men in the box, let the rookie beat us. And even with that happening, he was averaging 20.2 points per game. 20.2 points per game in fantasy scoring. He was RB6 during those weeks. David Johnson was crushing it. Then he got the back injury, missed a couple of weeks. They kept him on the sideline and much to the chagrin of every David Johnson here. If we can put you back in that mind frame, my friends, (laughs) and they traded for Kenyon Drake in his career. David Johnson has 44 games where he has had at least 10 plus touches. Can anyone argue the fact that he is going to be the starting running back in Houston? That he is going to have at least 10 touches a game every single week that he is on the field? You just look at the Texans. They Everybody right. who's played RB1 for the Texans gets more than that. Even Carlos Hyde. Right. In those 44 games, he has reached at least 10 fantasy points 38 of those games. 86.4%. Of the time, he has reached at least 10 fantasy points in a game when he has had at least 10 plus touches. Remember, we don't want to be the show that only talks about last year, right? So let's go back to end of 2018. And I know it feels like 50 years ago. But Steve, refresh the the, the people's memory, if you can remember offhand. What did David Johnson finish at the end of, of uh, 2018? What was his actual RB? Where was he? Do you remember? Ooh, it was high teens, I believe. No, he was 10. Yeah, he managed 10, to get go. to 10. He was RB10, and people crushed him because he was projected to be like the one or two number yeah, one. Yeah, one of one. And I get that, and I get, but I feel like there's still some of that bias that still lingers on because I remember he was on people's bus lists in 2018 that we were laughing at people because they were writing bus lists that had David Johnson as a bust. And I'm like, if you look, he was a top 10 running back. He never, yeah. that's and not again, the reason why your team failed. I it was the same that. thing. That's not the reason. 
where that season in 2018, he averaged 19.3 touches per game. And he had four games of that stretch where he failed to reach 10 points. And by the way, two of those games where he failed to reach 10 points, 9.8 and a 9.9. Yeah. So people want to crush him, but I don't think it's justified or warranted here. I think the hate's gone too far. It's, it's unbelievable the value that you can have on David Johnson. Oh, and by the way, you might think that that's like, why am I bringing up that specific number? Uh, the 10 points, like threshold I'm throwing in there, 10 points a game would be like right around 20 where he's going. So to hit where he's at last year, 10 points per game would have been right around running back 21, 22. He's RB 21 in the expert consensus. And I am telling you that there is an 86% chance every time he touches the ball 10 plus times, he is going to finish with more than 10 points. So to have him projected at 21, when odds are he's going to be significantly higher. Also, in his career, I mentioned there were those 38 games, or I'm sorry, the 44 games where he had 10 plus touches in all of those games the average in those 44 games his average points scored was 20.7 so any so the average for his career has been 20.7 PPR fantasy points when he has reached that that 10 touch threshold and again he is going to get at least that many touches by the way 20.7 points per game would be RB3 from 2019. Yeah. So uh, even if he doesn't stay on his average, but he just gets right. to 75% of what he normally does, right. you're still dining out on this. It's an insane value. There's no... And again, the part I will close out with, I have said for years, and everyone knows the argument by now, Carlos Hyde is not good at football. The un untapped potential of Carlos Hyde in the football industry... Still waiting on that, like six years in, it feels in like. In his entire career... Carlos Hyde was complete and total crap. And all we heard forever was Carlos Hyde is way better than the numbers he's putting up. Carlos Hyde is so underrated. Carlos Hyde is so much better than this. And the Texans offensive line is atrocious and can never support a top running back. And Carlos Hyde in one season behind that terrible line puts up the first thousand yard rushing season of his career and nobody talks about it. Nobody cares. Nobody because it doesn't fit their narrative. Yeah. Because it doesn't well, fit the narrative Mr. that the Texans can't have Hyde. a running back. Carlos Hyde Carlos finally Hyde. figured it out yeah. six years into the league. Yeah. So I what I'm telling you is when you look at the numbers that he put up last season, the numbers that Carlos Hyde was able to produce behind that terrible offensive line of the Texans that has gotten better, played all 16 games, had 245 carries, 1,070 yards, and six rushing touchdowns. That is the floor. That is David Johnson's floor in this offense, and that's just rushing. That's not even factoring in that some of those DeAndre Hopkins targets that have disappeared are now going to go to David Johnson out of the backfield. Because for the first time pretty much since Deshaun Watson has been there, they have a pass-catching back who's going to be able to help him out 
in the backfield. Well, yeah, they so, haven't really had anybody I viewed as a solid, super solid pass catcher. You have to go back. Right. To I mean, you've Foster. got Duke Johnson, but yeah, he was we'll never utilized. No, but I mean, you and, have to go back to Arian Foster. Is my point, and that predates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, and, yeah, predates Deshaun to yeah, your point. So it but yes, only, I mean, it's Duke Johnson is the next guy on the list, and uh, it is what it is. I have no problem with Duke Johnson. I'm a fan of Duke Johnson. There's only one note here. Like the, for this, because we, we, me, you, the industry, our website, we all are pretty much in a, and we're just 10 spots higher than his ADP. So for me, Duke Johnson is for what I think you're going to get. Cause he, some of those, you know, nuke targets you're referencing are also going to go to Duke Johnson. So it's going to push yeah. him up a little bit. And I think people are sleeping on it because he's going ADP middle of the 11th round at running back 52. And all of us have him mid forties, including the ECR. The, so and I think I'm we all see that. that the, the problem same. is. That last year, like I said, going along the same lines of the vanilla offense, not only were they focusing in on DeAndre Hopkins instead of spreading the ball around, literally whenever Carlos Hyde was on the field, it was to pass block, play action, or a handoff. He was never a threat. When Duke Johnson was on the field, it was 100% a pass play. So you kind of read where the play was going based on the personnel. And if it was a pass play, it was more than likely going to DeAndre Hopkins. Now you don't know where the ball is going. And with a three down back, like you haven't had since Lamar Miller, you're talking about David Johnson being able to give you a whole bunch of different options and looks in the backfield like you haven't had in a while. I mean, it is scary to think how good he can be in this offense. And if you're just going to give him to me for free, I'm going to gobble that up all day. I think that close. I think we've made our point. I think that closes the book on David Johnson. And I think we did. The so let's open the book Johnson. on the other thing that everybody's getting wrong. And I'm fine with that, too. Let's just move <laughs> transition right into more wrongness. Seamlessly move into it. Yep. Uh, Brandon Cooks is the wide receiver one. You heard me, right? Brandon Cooks is the wide receiver one in Houston. He is going uh, wide receiver 36 in the expert consensus, wide receiver 34 on our site. I've got him at 25. You've got him at 32. He's going ADP 30. This has kind of corrected itself from what it was at the beginning. Remember, initially, Brandon Cooks was going way down in like the 40s. Mm -hmm. And this is this has kind of smoothed itself out over the last couple months. I think people are starting to kind of catch on to the idea a little bit and kind of it, it's i'd rather just start it this way mm. and let you just go right into 25 i was yeah I was gonna, let's just like, let you go right is... into 25 here let's just because i don't want to bury the lead i think they heard the numbers and let's not even dance around so 25 steve kick mm-hmm. it off look i've got him at 25 because he is the clear-cut number one he is the pass like he's the he's the heavy target threat other than randall cobb who will also get to he is the deep threat, and don't even get me started on Will Fuller because we're going there next. <laughs> Brandon Cooks is the best flat. Again, people forget that because of the injury and because of bouncing from team to team, Brandon Cooks was a wide receiver one in fantasy football with the Saints just three years ago. So now we're talking about Brandon Cooks in this offense with the Texans Again, since Brandon Cooks has been in the league, he's a top 10 fantasy scorer in in wide receiver points. Top 10. Since he came into the league, 
Only nine players at wide receiver have scored more points than he has. And people just forget that Brandon Cooks is that good because he's had a couple of bad seasons in L.A. Well, in an offense with a terrible he quarterback. Was, he was also bad when he was at the Patriots. Let's not gloss over that year, too. That also, he wasn't no, he wasn't terrible with the Patriots. He wasn't, he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't the Brandon Cooks of the Saints, and I think that's when this all started. Where people but, drafted yeah. him years ago, remembering like what he what you were going to get with the Saints, and then he didn't quite return on that investment, and got hurt, and didn't fit the system in New England. And then he goes to the Rams, and everybody kind of jumps on the bandwagon again a little bit in the, in the industry, and also just in people's ADPs. And then he's absolutely skunked you since that happened, you know, just with the concussions. And that's what I think the biggest concern for people is. I think it's, I think when you break it down, it's people don't know what to do with the concussions. Oh, and that's so it, my favorite. It, starts, it oh. starts messing with people. And so, so first of all, he's been concluded. He has been, let's throw the first one of concluded. those out there this year. We'll get him in there. Yeah. He has been concluded. But actually. I mean, you want to talk about Brandon Cook's injury history. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. We're going to put Will Fuller. Ahead of Brandon Cooks, that's well, what we're is, doing, and this is where that's what we're wrong. doing. Well, as you can tell, I don't actually really have a problem with Brandon Cooks now that he's come back up to about thirty, because for me that's about right. It bakes in some of the risk you're taking. The upside is tremendous. The upside is is the sun, the moon, and the stars with this. If he's actually healthy and he integrates into the offense and he gets the rapport with Deshaun, because Deshaun's it's not like Deshaun can't take deep shots, but Deshaun, as we covered ad nauseum before, is very very accurate. So if Cooks can be on the field and can be out there competing, he's going to be the one and it's going to be great. But I, I can't put him in that 20, even though he would project that way in the, the mid-20s because I'm just, I got to bake in a little extra injury concern. But then we get into the next thing and I'll dovetail it back to you to read off the numbers for what's happening with Will Fuller, Will Fuller. at wide receiver 35 for the expert consensus. One spot ahead of Brandon Cooks. Makes no sense. Site has him at 49. Too nice. And I think... I, too well, nice. It, it's, it's way too nice because that's including our rankings, and I have yep. him at 76 and you have him at 75. So that's we're right. the I ones driving it down to 49. No. Yeah, that's right. Not interested. Move it along. No. Not and interested the, in this The one you should be interested in, he's going at wide receiver 37 in the eighth round. Shame on you. Shame yeah, on all of you people. I don't know what you guys You're are doing. wrong. You should feel bad. Go sit in timeout. There's enough. There's enough of you guys that are doing this and get, and gals that are that are putting this up. That you're all going to be very sad. To make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. You're all going to be so sad at like week four when when it's just over for the year again. And I hate to be that guy, but we just have so much history on this. There's a lot of history on that mountain of Will Fuller just not being healthy, not being able to stay healthy. It's the soft tissue injuries. It's the knee injuries. It's, it's the fact that it's, he's a, to me, I wrote this for the trade value column because I had to defend this ranking against our colleague, Wes Smith. Shout out to Wes. Go to bed, Wes, if you're listening to this at night. And uh, (laughs) uh, I had to defend it against him. Will Fuller is a literal time bomb. How are you going to justify How are you going to justify having him? The official Will Fuller drop. The official. We've been doing this for years. I can't believe that we're still having this conversation. And the idea that you think it's equivalent to Brandon Cooks. That's insanity. It just doesn't make any sense. And it's just, it's just, they're going seven spots, you know, not seven. Yeah. Yeah. They're going seven seven spots spots in the ADP. Seven spots in the ADP. 
And it's just such, such a hedge of like, we don't know what to do with this. So just take either as a flyer. And I'm telling you right now, no, 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 no. You take Brandon Cooks if you're interested in these little flyers on the Texans. Because you're going to have to count on that at some point if, you, if you're getting him in the at wide, the wide receiver 30 range. He's going to be well, your flex I mean, for you. He's going to be a wide receiver You want to talk about wide receiver 30. Here let's we get go. into Randall let's Cobb. Get into, let's get into the real wide receiver. Because he's going we? wide receiver 72 expert consensus on our site. 56 and again that's us baking in driving up the the number because i've got him 38 you've got him 39 i have said for years what this team is missing is a consistent tight end and a consistent slot receiver they still don't have the tight end well it's not kiki qt anymore so it seems like that movie's over kiki qt is not the slot so it's it's now randall cobb and we look at what randall cobb did in Green Bay, we look what he did last year in Dallas, we look what he's able to do to ease the pressure, Deshaun loves to check it down, and when he's getting the pressure in his face, he's got to check it down somewhere. The safety blanket was the slant routes, short routes to DeAndre Hopkins, and it was Kenny Stills last season. Now, that becomes Cobb, and it becomes David Johnson out of the backfield. Randall Cobb is going to feast... If he does not lead this team, I mean, he has a legitimate shot to lead this team, at least in targets in terms of the, the second mm-hmm. tier. He's got a real shot at receptions, too, depending on yeah. how many David Johnson can get. And uh, uh, Brandon Cooks is going to lead the team in In, in actual targets. receptions, in targets. I and, was going to say, I don't yeah. know if he leads in receptions because of how deep down the field he's going to have to go. Randall Cobb and David Johnson, right. I think, might make it. Randall Cobb could lead the team in receptions, for yeah. sure. But right now, we have Cooks projected at 103 targets and Cobb at 95. Well, uh, and then point. Kenny Stills in the 60s, like faded yeah. way back there. We'll get into Kenny Stills properly because I think everybody just wants to write Kenny Stills off for dead. But you've mentioned it, and I'll just well, you know, I mean, we could talk about Kenny Stills as well here. Well, because real, I just want to real the, quick on Randall the issue. Cobb, with, go ahead, yeah. You, you missed it. Well, you didn't miss it, but like just to drive the point home, folks. People wanted to write Randall Cobb off in 2018, like left for dead. Randall Cobb's career is over. He's done. He goes to Dallas, gets paired up with my man Dak that y'all said couldn't play football up until last year. And now, oh, he's in people's top three this year. You're welcome. But last year, by the numbers, Randall Cobb got, he caught 55 on 83 targets for 828 yards. He only had three touchdowns. He was wide receiver like 40. What's the difference? We just went through all the Deshaun numbers for you. Like it, it's not that different than those numbers Dak put up last year. And to your point, they haven't had a true slot receiver. It's been Kiki QT. It's been other people before that that aren't good and can't stay on the field. Will Fuller had a had a good run as a slot receiver for like what three games before he got hurt like two years ago. And that's yeah. been it. That's it. That's all they do. So now you're gonna bring in Randall Cobb just to do the slot stuff. He's just gonna thrive in this offense because we already mentioned it. Look at how accurate Deshaun is. You think he can't hit Randall Cobb three or three or four yards down the field six times a game or at a minimum, and he breaks one and gets a score? No, 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 no. So this doesn't add up at all. The idea that y'all want to want to try and tell me that like Will Fuller especially is going to be more reliable right. and have no, more this, upside this than is Randall fine. Cobb. You're it, out of your it, mind in PPR, especially is, out of your mind. People want to be wrong on the rankings. That's fine. He's going undrafted right now. So if if you want to take Will Fuller in the eighth, do yourself a favor. First of all, slap yourself in the face. Just walk away. 
Just, just walk away from the draft room for a little bit. Let let it auto pick because it's going to give you something than Will Fuller in the eighth. It'll be better. You get more return on investment or whatever you got. And right? then in the twelfth round, take Randall Cobb and profit because that is the one that's actually going to matter. Kenny Stills. If you want to take a flyer on Kenny Stills, I'm not opposed to it. I'm concerned about Kenny Stills only for the fact he's first of all he's wide receiver seventy nine in the expert consensus, so he's barely behind Randall Cobb. Again, the, the the industry has Cobb rated where we have Fuller and Fuller rated where we have Cobb. They have it backwards. But Stills at 79, on our site at 75, I have him 69, you have him 67. My main concern with Kenny Stills, the reason I have him outside of draftable range, is because based on the amount of money he is making, I don't know if he makes the team. He may be a casualty of the preseason assuming there is preseason casualty of the, I don't know, training camp, whatever you want to call it. Sure. Uh, but a, a, cu- a veteran cut down that he may not even make this roster because of the amount of money he's making and what they're paying the rest of the guys, at the position like QT is certainly not as good as Kenny stills is, but, but how often is stills actually going to make it on the field at this yeah, point and to make that money? A lot less expensive to your point. So, right. No, it is very possible, but I'm right down there with you. I got him two spots higher because as far as things no. that when you're down no, in that range me. in the sixties, yeah. I mean, I look, I'll take a like shot. I said, on if it. it's, it if it's me and it's my roster and I'm Bob, and I'm the one building the team. I would rather have Kenny Stills because I know by week five, Will Fuller's on the IR <laughs> and I need somebody to be my other outside receiver. And I'd rather it be Kenny Stills than Kiki QT or Isaiah Coulter. But yep. you do you. You do whatever well, we you got to do. We've already spent way too much time getting things that we think Bill O'Brien's going to do right. He, We've learned like I, I have no idea what that man's going to do. Yeah. But yeah, if it's me, I, I think I alluded to team, it. But we're, when you're that far down. I love it as a lottery ticket because if he does make the roster, no way he finishes a wide receiver 67. Like if he makes the roster, given the all, all their things equal with the, the Brandon Cooks possibly missing some time and the Will Fuller missing some time, he'll easily get up. You'll easily make some return on him. Yeah, it's just one of those things where right now it's undrafted and I don't know how much value it has until one of those guys get hurt. So he's right, going to so be a great pickup on waivers. Great pickup, yeah. But I don't know if he's worth actually drafting. That's fair. Um and the tight ends, as I said, didn't change at all. Not worth mentioning. Defense got worse, so you obviously don't want that. But right, that's no, it for all, uh, my let's Texans. All, let's all take a breath and get let's take remind a everyone that here. Steve, Steve is a Texans fan, and we always put that PSA in, usually before. <laughs> and, and again, too, that, that's, I'm pleasantly surprised with all that, though, because normally, as a Texan fan, I'm like way high on everybody. First of all, the Deshaun thing is crazy, though. Oh, yeah. That's so we insane. agree on that. that. That's complete insanity. But to have you on board with me with David Johnson kind of justifies well, to me that I'm not insane. You're not. Also, and, you check your ally. I'm a pretty staunch David Johnson supporter, whatever exactly. he puts on. So, but you know. <laughs> the other one was Brandon Cooks. Yeah. And for the entire offseason, I had Brandon Cooks at 25. Like, he hasn't changed for me. No, you didn't do a re-rank so- on Brandon Cooks. That as was soon as they got him, I was like, oh, yeah, he's borderline wide receiver, too. I Brandon also know Cooks you have a long, a you have a long memory, and I know how, how you like Brandon Cooks. Like, as a, as yeah, a, just and, a and I was – so I had him at, like I said, 25, and for the longest time, the industry was, oh, he's at 51 
Have you seen him recently? He's done too. Well, then it went and, to like uh, 40. And now 42. all of a sudden it's 36 and the wide and the ADP is 30. So I feel at least slightly justified that I've been there the whole time and everybody else is just finally starting to jump on the bandwagon here. But yeah, just fade Will Fuller. Please, please, try, please stop, stop trying to make that and, happen. And congratulations on outkicking me ADP guys on Brick. You got some cojones because you're a little bit more cavalier than me. But stop, stop it now with the Will Fuller. I'm I'm tired of having to write this article every year. I have to write it every year about why Will Fuller's a poison pill. And I makes me. I hope I never meet Will Fuller because he's gonna he's not gonna like us. We've been very mean to him on this show, and <laughs> I, I I don't want to be. It's just he just can't stay on the field. I don't know why. It's I mean it's not my fault that every time he just. He breaks free. He's wide open downfield. He puts that hand up, and then it's just every time. Or the other every drop. time. Oh, my hamstring! The official Will Fuller drop. But uh, we're gonna take a quick break, take a breath from all that, and then when we get back, another group of veterans who are way undervalued. Yay! Support for the Important Nonsense podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Hey guys, it's Steve. It's summertime. The temperature is turning up out there, and you know when the heat is turned up, your undercarriage needs to be cleaned up. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Now when I tell you this is premium, I mean it is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. Take your time. You don't want any accidents down there. And the water-resistant technology allows you to even groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates your grooming area for a closer, more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Let's not forget about the charging stand, people. You want to show off that mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. Look, if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Just head over to manscaped.com and use promo code NONSENSE. That's N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. One more time, that code is NONSENSE at manscaped.com to get your 20% off and free shipping today. All right, Neil, we're back. We're on to the Colts. They shuffled some pieces on defense, but the news of note was obviously on offense. After the failed experiment with Jacoby Brissett, they have signed veteran quarterback Phillip Rivers to try to take him to the promised land. They also got tight end Trey Burton from the Bears in free agency. They lost Eric Ebron, but is that really a loss? I mean, that's the word I no, use that's there. Addition, but. addition by subtraction. Addition by subtraction. There you go. That's much better. Uh, yeah, other meaningless pass catchers also fell off the wayside there, but not not a big deal. Uh, they drafted star running back Jonathan Taylor and wide receiver Michael Pittman. So again, here we go. Phil Rivers taking over the job. A lot of people seem to forget, oh, Jacoby Brissett looked like garbage last year. He was terrible. He was so awful. How can you like any of the Colts? First of all, remember... 
He was the backup quarterback until a week before the season. Andrew Luck abruptly decided that, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Second and time he Drew Brees has been asked to away. take the wheel on yep. one week's notice in his career. I'd like to point out too. So fair enough, fair enough. And, people are, and we, are we mentioned it too in a way that doesn't justify. Jacoby Brissett, remember the first what was that six seven weeks of the season last year was QB yeah, thirteen. I was gonna, he was on a good clip. He was actually he was doing like, really well. Wire. And then you and I talked about it a lot on the podcast last season. How by November he looked gassed. Man, he looked like his conditioning was not there. You could just tell that he was not physically or mentally prepared to be the season-long starter. Why would you be if you're him? Why would you be? So, Well, your yeah. hardcore football heads would say, because you put your cleats in the grass and you got to always take that <laughs> mentality. That's, again, hashtag analysis. But that's, that is, there's still so much of that in the industry. Again, I feel like Jacoby Brissett has never oh, gotten a fair shake. Exactly. He's never gotten a fair shake in his entire career, and that includes his time with the Colts. And I feel <laughs> kind of bad for him. And it, and now it's at least he's still on the team, and he's the backup again. So what do we think? How's he going to become the starter in in uh, the week before? Uh, how's that going to happen this year? That's the analysis, right? right? Well, I mean, <laughs> if, if it was actually like a normal fall, I would say Phil Rivers decides to retire and become that Alabama high school football coach that he's already signed up to be. But since that high school Alabama football probably isn't going to happen, I guess he's stuck being the backup for at least one year. All right. So, all right. We'll so we think. So we think. All right. All right. Everybody can come off the ledge then. So we at least think Philip Rivers is going to be your incumbent starter. And but I mean, how the mighty have fallen, right? Normally yeah. he's our guy. Well, he's our. He's, he's normally our, there at thirteen, right? He's, he's always our, our back end always- guy. He's 10, 12 every year for us, or 13, and we pound the table because the it's industry just penciled is like, in. 20, 22, and we're like, wrong, <laughs> wrong. And now and, this year, it's, no. Eh, oh, yeah. No. Uh, yeah, no, 25 in the expert consensus, 22 on the site. We're both at 24. ADP is 20. It is what it is. I don't know. Uh, from a fantasy like, perspective, like, I don't have much to say here, right? He's going to throw a ton of picks, and we know it, and it drives it down, and, you know, you just got to see how I much mean, the standard goes. deviation is five for yep. quarterbacks. So, I mean, wildly jumping around in the back end of your drafts, people just taking shots on Phil Rivers. Maybe that's because they waited forever, and he's the best guy available, but he yeah, kind of becomes this point, in a lot of drafts we've done. He's kind of the last chopper out in a real way it's like okay at least i kind of theoretically know what that is before you kind of go off into the final cliff of like your sam darnold's but uh it's how can you trust it and it's all baked into the ranking and i think the people that are kind of pushing up his adp are trying to remember the good old days of having confidence in phil rivers and i just don't know if the old gunslinger's got one more one more ride in the tank i'll be pleasantly surprised if he does just because we like phil rivers we always have from a fantasy perspective but let's move on to running back. Uh, they drafted Jonathan Taylor. Marlon Mack is still hanging around. So is Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins for some reason. We'll see if he actually does stick around. Yeah, I don't know if Jordan <laughs> Wilkins makes the team. He might get have to get cut off the road. Practice off squad. Uh, Jonathan yep. Taylor, yep. RB22 in consensus, 21 on our site. I've got him 21. You've got him 22. ADP 22. I think we're all right. I think he's the guy who dominates the touches. I think he has the ability to be a special back. We've talked about him out of Wisconsin for a couple of years, wondering where he'd land. 
He's the best running back prospect since Saquon. So, you know, Jonathan Taylor looks to be a legit back-end RB2, at least for his rookie year going forward, probably RB1, right? Probably RB1, probably flirts with that top 10 type of deal, given how much the Colts run the ball with uh, with Frank Reich. And uh, it'll be interesting, too, to watch because we'll get into Marlon Mack properly in a second. But don't be surprised, too, if you own Taylor, that it's going to be Mack out there for the first couple games. Don't uh, don't don't get scared if you're going to go this route and you're actually going to yeah, pay. And what, what gets overblown a lot, too, is that, you know, Jonathan Taylor can't catch. He does get utilized some in the passing game. He does have decent hands and can run routes. So it's not like he's completely worthless in the pass game like Marlon Mack was. Did yeah, I say that's that? Yeah, kinda, well, well, I would argue with you if you're wrong, but there's a reason why they were <laughs> looking to make a replacement move there with Mack because for all his success running the ball, especially between the tackles, he is really poor as a pass catcher, and they cannot have him out there on third down. And it's a microcosm of that Texans phenomenon we just touched on. If Naheem Hines comes onto the field, you kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's kind of what it is, and it kind of it kind of makes it hard. It kind of makes their offense. Yeah, and I would cool. argue that at this point, it's probably still the same thing, right? I mean, it, it, is likely, it is for this year. It is for this year, for this season, and then for the future, we're going to have to reevaluate because I think that's going to be the narrative that follows him for a while. Is the question Taylor is the back end. Marlon Mack, RB44 in expert consensus. He's 50 on our site, 54 for me, 53 for you, 38 in ADP. A lot of people still buying into Marlon Mack. He's 13th among running backs for standard deviation, really flying all over the place in drafts. Yeah, and our daily editor, Aiden Ware, loves him. And I get why. You know, it's people don't want to be done on a guy that still has some gas in the tank and some tread on the tires and who's had success in the past. It's just. I unfortunately think the roster is going to eat him. And then well, we can I talk mean, about Well, yeah, the Marlon narrative Mack. too, same deal, right? Where you've got one year left for Marlon Mack, so why not? What, what's your phrase about the rental car? Rental, right? What's the fastest the, what's car the on the road? car on the road? Yeah, it's the rental yeah, car. Just, yeah, just drive which, the which tires is, off. Which just is why run, I'm saying in the beginning of the ground. season, I think they're going to. And then he's probably going to go ping because that's been the other history on Marlon Mack is that when they try to give him all of the workload, he usually ends up with some sort of injury that prevents them from wanting to do that long term. And it, So then is add, there a threat that now they eat into each other? Yeah. And you end up with more Jonathan Taylor, especially as the season goes on, as they're trying to really get him those meaningful reps. And is also he's just younger and fresher. So I think Marlon Mack, while he would almost qualify for the rental car, argument he kind of doesn't just because of who the incumbent is and how much of a of a tier one class a prospect jonathan taylor is i'm much more interested for marlon mack next season to your point about the last year of his deal where does marlon mack sign in 2021 where is he going to be battling to to try and reestablish himself because if he goes to one of these teams that isn't set at running back we could be right back talking about marlon mack as a fringe 20 guy or inside of 20 maybe doesn't quite get to 15 but i think jonathan taylor given what he projects to be barring some cataclysm we'll be talking about as a top 10 level type of guy like on that josh jacobs arc starts off low yeah. and then he gets into that top 10 type of deal that's the jonathan taylor arc that i'm projecting if we're going to go for season to season and then naheem hines i think is the most interesting one yeah and he's become the truther for me in ppr half point in standard i'm not really that interested but rb48 in the expert consensus 49 on our website, 50 with you. I've got him at 38. He's he's going to get his. He's going to be I, the pass I, catcher. We're always PPR too high on Naheem gotta, Hines, so I've backed yeah. it off a little this year, even though you know I love Naheem Hines, the player. 
it's just I don't know yeah. what that's actually going to translate into and how many of those wonky games can I really count on like week 16 last year where we had two punt returns. So it's it, it's they, they find a way to always manufacture touches for him and he keeps paying them off. So, you know, something good's going to happen. But he, yeah, even me taking taking myself out of it, being high on Naheem Hines, the average among you, the website and consensus is 50. He's going at ADP 55 in the 13th. So Naheem Hines is a guy you definitely should be targeting in that very, 11th, 12th very round. Very, int- very interesting flyer. But I think that's really all there is for the as much as people want to make all this noise about running back for the Colts, given just the NFL news around it. I think that's it. Jordan Wilkins yeah. is not something you want. And frankly, I think we should spend the rest of our remaining Colts time, Steve, talking about how people are wrong. Let's go yeah, right back. Pretty much. I mean, so T.Y. Right Hilton, here. wide receivers. Uh, first of all, T.Y. Hilton, pair, uh, Michael Pittman, as we mentioned, young rookie who I love, you do as well. Paris Campbell, Damn. who is what it is, and Zach Pascal. So T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver 26 in the expert consensus, 22 on our site. I've got him at 14. You've got him at 18. He's going wide receiver 20. A lot of people are dogging the ADP in the industry. Why are you reaching for T.Y. Hilton? And my question is, why do you hate T.Y. Hilton so much all the way down there at ADP 20? I mean, what are you scared of? It's your favorite argument. Washed. Washed. He's done. It's your fa- that one comes through loud and clear what a lot of the industry folks think about T.Y. Hilton. And it is as simple as that. But that, that is done. That is not a thing anymore. And that T.Y. Hilton is either just a guy or maybe slightly better than just a guy. Uh, I and I mean, look, there, there's a lot you can go into looking at the course of his career, looking at the analytics, the efficiency, the metrics. You can say whatever it is that you want about T.Y. Hilton, and I can make you a convincing argument for why he's a wide receiver one and has been over the course of his career. Here's what I'll tell you. He's getting Phillip Rivers, who last year, just last year, again, Phillip Rivers, who's so old and done, had PPR wide receiver six in Keenan Allen. Force-fed him the ball. T.Y. Hilton is now the primary receiver. Michael Pittman's great. Love Michael Pittman. Huge value play. T.Y. Hilton is the wide receiver one still, at least for this season. T.Y. Hilton last year with Jacoby Brissett, right? Yes, the injury. He had the calf injury in week eight. Before he got that calf injury in week eight, even with Jacoby Brissett as his quarterback, Weeks one through seven, on a points-per-game basis, T.Y. Hilton, you want to guess where he was, Neil? Wasn't he at about 12? Was it 12 or 16? Wide receiver, five. There you go. He was a top five wide receiver with Jacoby Brissett, and then he got hurt in week eight with the calf injury and was never the same. again, and that was points-per-game. Just to drive that stat yes. home. That was points yes. per game. That's not Correct. for the season. Don't come at us on Twitter Correct. with that's not how math works. We we points per game. And, guys. It, and even then, what it it's so crazy because he missed one game in there and he had the bye week. And in five games compared to guys who had seven, T.Y. Hilton was still wide receiver twenty four. He was insane. he was that dominant 
the first half of the season. And then in week eight, he left in the second quarter with a calf injury, missed the next three weeks. Remember, he came back too quick, looked like garbage for two games, was out hurt again, and then came back at the end of the season when Brissett was just done at that when point. When Brissett was totally gassed, yeah. And and it, it's, it's interesting, if you do break it down season long, which is how I've been trying to explain it to people, which is, look, it's very simple at, at one level. He played in 10 games. He amassed 500 yards. He caught 45 receptions on 68 targets. He was averaging... Like it's it's like an eleven yards it's eleven yards per reception so it's about in line with his career it's a little it's down because you could tell like he was he was still kind of laboring because he was hurt for a good chunk of this he still had five touchdowns with Jacoby freaking Brissett who we just got done saying like he looked like he was gassed he looked like he was done and he missed a good chunk of the season in there he was still catching those inaccurate passes from Brissett by the end sixty six percent. So this yeah. narrative that T.Y. Hilton is suddenly just going to like forget how to play football or suddenly just become so slow with a whole se- offseason to heal that he's suddenly just going to be totally washed. I, I'm not I can't I can't believe it. I, I can't believe that he's all, not like he all this is telling me is wide receiver 20 ADP with the second pick of the fifth round. Like, I understand that there's certainly some risk involved here. No doubt there's risk involved here. But for the pure upside, am I telling you that with these numbers, he's going to be a top five or six wide receiver like we saw with Allen or the pace that he was on when he was healthy last year? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not even saying top 10. What I'm telling you is the ceiling is top 10. He has that there. The floor is right around 25 when he's playing. The floor is where he's basically being projected and drafted. The only reason he would be in that range or outside of that range is if you're telling me that he has some kind of serious injury that is keeping him off the field again. And again, soft tissue injury last year with the calf muscle. Calf muscle for a wide receiver. Hard to run. A lot of pain every time he was on the field. He had a whole offseason to heal. He said he feels great. He looks 100%. He's playing for a contract to try to be a cult for life, as he said he wants to be. So T.Y. Hilton, to me, I mean, I understand there's some risk, but if you're telling me he's going wide receiver 20, you've got him 18, I've got him 14, then I'm more than willing to take him in the fourth round as the 17th or 18th guy off the board because that's where I can have my 14th best receiver. That's a way you got to look at this, too, is when we put these rankings out there, it's the same thing with Randall Cobb, like we just talked about before. Yes, me and Neil have him ranked at wide receiver 38, but I wouldn't then go and take him in the eighth round. If ADP has him going undrafted, we think he can be wide receiver 38, but I wouldn't spend a pick so egregiously high when ADP is going to let you have him much later. It's the same thing here. I think T.Y. Hilton has a higher ceiling than a lot of the guys he's going behind right now, but I'm not going to reach for him when I don't have to. Exactly. And that's the mindset you have to get into. I'm happy to let him sit there until the the end of the fourth round and just kind of scoop that up onto onto my wide receiver court. Because by the time we get to there, if you're telling me that T.Y. with his ceiling can effectively be probably my roster construction, probably my wide receiver too, 
I'm going to dine out on that every time because until somebody can concretely prove to me with math or science that he is washed, then the argument that just looking at the calf injury three games from last year and be like, look how slow he is. That's not enough of a sample size to tell me that he's just done, especially when and I understand he has no incentive to tell you that he would still be hurt. So I can understand you want people to count that the, the quarterback upgrade from Brissett to rivers alone is enough for me to want to just to want to continue down this line. It, it, it pushes any regression that he might've had kind of up a little bit. So he has to stay in that wide receiver two type of neighborhood. And so the idea that the industry is saying wide receiver 26 at 55 overall, if you're playing with the quote unquote experts, you listen to us, you will own T Y Hilton in, uh, in just about every league that you play in. And as we always say every year, the T Y stands for thank you. Exactly. And speaking of guys that are great values because they're great players. You can have later on Jack Doyle. Find me a tight end that Philip Rivers doesn't love to throw to. And I will find you someone that doesn't exist. It's the keys that, that is he's, just. Yeah. And it's going to be captain check down yet again. You've actually got him at tight end six. Booyah. So you are shot call all the way to the bank on Jack Doyle. For the Expert record. Consensus is 18. You've got him 10. Yes. Site is 13. ADP I've got him at is, tight end six. ADP and, is ag- and again, yeah, to your point here. Everybody for PPR in tight end from six to basically 15 is within like a touchdown and a half of each other. They're and there's all no more lumped together. If you're telling me that Trey Burton is going to be a real thing for the Colts, I have a bridge in New York City that I would like to sell you. And you can get at me at nonsense underscore Neil. And you just let me know when you want the deets on that bridge because that's not going to happen. Nor is more at Moelle Cox. This is it. It's Jack Doyle time. This is him. Getting I would back make the, the argument as well, by the way, that Mo Alley Cox is the backup, not Trey Burton. Yeah. Trey Burton I mean, is not I think a thing. We've seen, much an, we've seen enough on, of that to know. People on Twitter need to get off my lawn with the Trey Burton stuff. It's, it's absolutely hideous. And uh, speaking of names that, by the way, we kind of touched on it, but just to put a bow on the Colts here, speaking of names of guys that if you would like to get, a, to get in on the ground floor and that the experts hate, but that Steve and I both love, Michael Pittman Jr. We're ten full oh, spots. Oh yeah, I'm higher. sorry. I don't know. I don't know how uh, I lost uh, no, over no, that. No, no, you're fine. You're I was fine. so Michael, excited by T.Y. Hilton. I, I yeah. lost right past the the main event here. Michael uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Michael Pittman going wide receiver sixty two in the consensus fifty eight on our site. I've got him fifty. You've got him forty nine. He's a big bodied guy. He he has a legitimate shot to be the wide receiver one on this team in twenty twenty one, depending on how things shake out with uh, T.Y. Hilton, but. Yeah, I mean, he's a huge receiver. He's got a lot of skill, and uh, his route running is pretty impressive as well. He's they a guy that a, you can get at a discount in rookie drafts, too, for some reason. So. Well, they needed they needed a guy like that for roster construction for the Colts, also for the future of the franchise, but also, if you're going to have Phillip Rivers, who did we watch as a big-body wide receiver have success with Phil Rivers before all the injuries started to catch up with him? Mike Williams. And so, remember how much people love Mike well, Williams yeah, I mean, when he first Vincent came into the Vincent Jackson. Yeah, remember Keenan all these Allen guys? is about the same size as Michael past. Pittman. Yeah, I, I think mean, about that. Michael Pittman's the same size as all of those guys. And just think, I hate doing like paint by numbers analysis here, but just look at Phil Rivers' career. It's not a short sample size, folks. It's like twelve years. You can you can absolutely again, draw this yeah, parallel. Pittman going undrafted. Yeah, in redraft, it, it you can have him for steal. free at the back of your draft, and he it's has a, the upside to be a yeah. wide receiver too. 
it, you should be cackling with laughter as you get Michael Pittman and pointing at people in your draft room, uh, six feet away, wearing a mask. Obviously, if you're doing it in person <laughs> and, uh, you should be just cackling at, at, at the folks that you're, if you're getting him at that kind of value and nobody else is interested, fools, fools, I tell you. But let's move on to the Jags. Uh, just two years ago, we were talking about the Jaguars being a feared defense that were one half away from going to the Super Bowl, Neil. It, it feels like an eternity ago, doesn't it? Yes. Like, that was just two years ago, and it well, feels like two, forever. It's two full teams ago, though, I think is why it feels so long ago. So 20, time, January 2018, and then in that time, they, they got rid of Blake Bortles. The whole defense fell apart. I mean, ugh. Yeah, they traded Jalen Ramsey last year to the Rams. Then they also got rid of Calais Campbell, Marcel Darius, A.J. Boye in free agency and various trades. They franchise tagged Yannick Ngankwe, and he says he doesn't want to be there. He wants a trade or he's going to sit out. So th- that whole team has just gone severe dumpster fire in a hurry. They're in that the tank. They're the new, they're ag- the new Dolphins. Aggressively bad. They're the new Dolphins. The uh, tank they, or for whatever, remember the two weeks where Doug Marone was fired last year? That yep. was great. We were Mr. like, oh, Fried they're going to fire Bologna. Doug Marone. Mr. <laughs> Fried Baloney himself. They were going to fire him. And then, nope, never mind. We changed our mind. He's coming back. We got rid of Tom Coughlin instead. That's the problem. Well, that's the problem. I think it's just people not wanting to deal with Tom Coughlin. If you're, yeah, if you're not think, yeah, 10 minutes you early, go. you're late mentality. And they're like, you know what? Mr. Fried Baloney is so much more valuable. And we'll just keep him here to steward this ghost ship for one more year. And then we'll figure out what we're going to do. Well, maybe we'll promote Jay Gruden. Maybe yeah, we'll do they that. Brought in, <laughs> they brought in Jay Gruden, the former Washington head coach, to be the OC. He had a lot of success as the offensive coordinator with Cincinnati, remember, before he took over he in Washington. So he did do that. Got to give him that. The only loss on offense, loss in air quotes, was trading Nick Foles to the Bears. So it's back to Minshew Mania and Duval. Fleece the Bears. And uh, they made minor free agent moves and draft picks, but nothing really major of note. So as I mentioned, it's Minshew Mania. 24 for quarterback in the expert consensus, 25 on our site. I've got him 19. You've got him at 20 going undrafted. Can you make an argument for Gardner Minshew? Because I can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it has to do with the idea that people want to kind of dog him for being inaccurate, which, look, I'm not going to say they were all quality starts, okay? It's just, you know, there were enough quality starts to where I don't think inaccurate is quite the right word. But the better argument that you could make is actually the rushing. Because very quietly, he actually put together a nice little rushing floor for you in the background there. He's a relatively mobile guy. Yeah, my favorite stat from the offseason, or or one of them, I say that about all my stats. But one of my favorite stats from the offseason, Neil, is that uh, Gardner Minshew at 8.9% led the league in scramble percentage. He scrambled on 8.9% of his uh, dropbacks just ahead of Lamar Jackson. So there you go. Yep. He was more rush happy than Lamar Jack, and it's and in his case, unlike Lamar, who who loves to run because he can and dominates defenses that way. Good at Gardner good at was it, more yeah. running for his life, but still, it still counts. What well, else? Like what, what changed? Yeah, why would I much. assume that anything's going to be different with that particular scenario in 2020 than it was last year, where he's running for his life on third down a lot? Yeah, so he, I mean, he has that that built-in rushing floor, and you know, people don't want to give him credit. We we talked about the fact that, first of all, we're high on Gardner Minshew here. He's on our, you know, hashtag Scott Fishbowl 10 team. 
That's right. Uh, he's our QB too, because we believe in the stash. Uh, but people, you know, seem to forget about the fact that yes, he looked fairly bad in the middle part of the season, but he was extremely efficient at the beginning of the year. Then he tapered off, got benched for Nick Foles for two weeks before <laughs> retaking the job, yep. and then at the back half of the year was fairly successful. He had 3,200 passing yards, 20 tu- 21 touchdowns, and just six interceptions. To the that's point incredible about efficiency. Well, that's what I'm saying. People want to say, oh, he's not that effective, and it's like, hmm. In like four games, he was bad, where his touchdown-interception yeah. ratio goes way out of whack. But for the for the life of the, the season, he was fine. And and he yeah, and also I said it too when we uh when we drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl. That's what I was when just gonna you say. Actually, go back and look at it. Uh, quarterbacks who have that rushing floor, like we talked about last week, are the ones that have the highest potential upside. Last year, quarterbacks with 200 plus passing yards or games with 200 plus passing yards and 20 plus rushing yards, you had uh, Russell Wilson at the top had nine. I remember, I don't remember offhand what the exact stat was, but I mean, you had Lamar Jackson was in there with with, uh, eight. Deshaun Watson was also in there as well. Daniel Jones had six. Kyler Murray had six. And Gardner Minshew had six. And both Min- Minshew and Daniel Jones only had 12 starts. They had more appearances, but they were coming in in relief in games. So they only had 12 starts to make that list. Garner Minshew now, with no one to compete with, has a full season to be the starter here. And given the opportunity to to run wild, if he can get that completion percentage of 60.6% up with this Jay Gruden offense and the checkdowns, I mean, look out. He absolutely could find himself into being a back-end top 12 fantasy quarterback, especially with how much they're going to be throwing from behind. Oh, 100%. It's just a question of can he improve a little bit? And also, you know, as as we know, it's still going to be a bad team, so it's going to hinder his ability to kind of, I think, take that next leap. So there are some warts, which is why he winds up still at 1920, because I think we've painted a pretty glowing picture here. We might be like, why do you only have him at 1920? But yeah. it's, a, uh, it's a serious thing. And it's interesting because we've always we've always been the show going back to portals, where it's it's painfully obvious when the Jag, when the Jags are bad, the, everything NFL still follows. They're bad. They throw more, and so even if it's not always pretty and it's not always perfect, Blake bleeping Bortles had a couple years where he was incredibly relevant, and we all think that Minshew is a superior talent in just about every oh, quantifiable yeah. way. So it's it really is a uh, an interesting one where where it feels like the hate's gone too far and the industry just doesn't want to believe in the stash. They just don't want to come on board. And yeah, wrong. he's going undrafted. I absolutely would take him at the back end again as as a flyer. There's a lot of guys on this show that I'm saying back end flyer, but look, when you're taking lottery tickets, you're taking shots in the dark in that 12 to 16 range, and if you wait on QB as you absolutely 100% should be. Then Gardner Minshew as your QB2 gives you a ton of upside with that rushing floor. But let's move on to guys being disrespected in the industry. Leonard Fournette, uh, running back 15, expert consensus, ADP 16. Uh, 14 on our site. I've got him 8. You've got him 13. I've talked about this a lot in the offseason, Neil. Last year, the only running back who had more fantasy opportunities 
Again, opportunities being uh, carries and targets. The only guy with more opportunities than Leonard Fournette last year was Christian McCaffrey. Which so is a Leonard shock. Fournette, Let that dig I, I in, mean, folks. That's a shocking stat. We talked about it all offseason. Shocking that he would have the, that many opportunities. The only major addition that they made was Chris Thompson. And people are scared of that because of, you know, the connection with Jay Gruden. But even then, I don't understand the it. The injuries, I think, is the, what holds Chris I Thompson. I mean, sure, the, in, the injuries, absolutely. But, like, we've projected it out. We put them in their appropriate positions, right? I'm seven spots higher than the industry on Leonard Fournette. You're a couple spots higher, and we're higher than ADP across the board. Chris Thompson is yet going undrafted in ADP. He's running back 61 in the industry consensus, 69 on our site, 57 for both you and me. So you and me are highest on Chris Thompson, believing that he will have the most impact compared to everyone else, and yet still, still higher on Leonard Fournette than everybody else. It's a function of how I think you and I see the team breaking down. By the way, I've just started calling Leonard Fournette on the internet just enterprise. Because if you want to talk about my rental car, folks, (laughs) this is the rental car for you. Slap the hood of that baby and go ahead and get on in. Because I'm amazed that people are so scared off by it because they just think, oh, that was an anomaly. That'll never happen again. I mean, look at all the Jay Gruden offense. They throw a tremendous amount to the running back. It's it's part of it. And Fournette is on the last year of his deal. He's going to be gone. This is They wanted to get rid of him before. They're just going to run the last of the tires off him because they don't have anything else. They've got a handful of guys at receiver that are okay. They got Minshew. That's a project. But they don't have anything else that's as rock solid as that. And I feel like you've taken like you've taken it to the next level and kind of added added some more quantifiable metrics to kind of back that argument up in terms of where he was and what we projected him for. It's, when we were in the Leonard Fournette is the opposite of Aaron Jones, if that helps you. Uh, Leonard Fournette gives you the numbers. He gives he gives you the pass catching. He gives you the rushing. He gives you the receptions and PPR. Here's the biggest thing for me. Again, one one of these great stats that we found in the offseason. Last year in the NFL, the average NFL offense, the middle-ranked offense, 14 rushing touchdowns as a team. 14 team rushing touchdowns. Last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars had three and all three belonged to Leonard Fournette so he is due for a huge positive regression in terms of touchdown production I have him projected at six and even at just six he comes in in the ranks at RB 14 which is just ahead of where he's going in ADP and the expert consensus so if he hits closer to that 10-11 and Gardner Minshew gets a couple in there as well, which I also have, then, I mean, Fournette could absolutely jump into the top 10 at running back. It's not out of the question of possibilities here. Not at all. There's still upside where I have him at 13. That's why I like him there. It's like, it's not, it's not, you're not married to it per se, but at the same time, if he's coming in, especially at your RB2, you love life. You love your life because what's changed to kind of like make you feel otherwise besides the coaching things. That's what's been vexing to me is, yes, they're changing coaches, but look at the roster and look at how Jay Gruden has usually run his teams. It's not like they didn't run the ball in Washington, for example. Yeah. They well, we need to move did. on, but I mean, the, the last do, thing that I'm going to to mention here is just the fact that, like I said, 
I've got him not only at RB8, but because of the way it shakes out, 10 overall. And that's much higher than everybody else. RB16 is round three, pick three. Talking about 27 overall, which is right where you have him. So and the last thing again, if I can have him in the second round, I'm I'm good with that. Well, yeah, and if you're not worried about the goal line work going away, which I would I would steward you in the direction of yeah, his goal line work is safe. Like it's all it's all still going to be Fournette. That's that was the one that I saw people on Twitter debating that they're going to do something else near the goal line, and I'm like, what? Like going to put Ryquel Armstead in there? Because we already mentioned Chris Thompson. I think we can move off running back to be honest. Chris yeah, Thompson. There's nobody else value. worth mentioning. And honestly, the only thing that I would be concerned about for anything with Fournette's value is a trade. And fair. we'll see if that ever happens. That's fair. But, we'll see if anybody uh, wants DJ to Chark, do 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 do. Wide receiver number one for the Jags. You also have DD Westbrook. They drafted LaVisca Chenault, Chris Conley, Keelan Cole, Colin Johnson. Uh, for me, it is Chark. For you, it is as well. I don't think there's a ton to discuss here. Uh, there is wide receiver 22 in the consensus, 21 in ADP. He's 26 on our site. I've got him 27. You've got him 26. Again, this doesn't so much feed into they're going to throw a ton. It's just the fact that, again, at 27, I'm not saying that G.J. Chark is going to have a bad season or put up bad numbers. I'm just saying... Yes, he's a good prospect. Yes, he's a good receiver. But a lot of Minshew's value is the rushing floor and the fact that he runs for his life and can spread the ball around a lot, whereas he's not going to focus in primarily on one guy. And there are just 26 wide receivers that I'm more comfortable taking before I want to take DJ Chark. Yeah, so I would urge caution on the ECR and the the ADP, which is roughly... 21 overall i think you're getting a little i think you're getting the saucer eyes a little bit you're getting the that that would require him to hit uh a little more than what he did last year roughly and it's just i'm not quite there with it which is why i've kind of you know tempered my expectations slightly to your point about Minshew and the rushing floor that we discussed earlier it's not as pass happy as a uh as one might believe yeah and the rest of the wide receivers are all going undrafted and i'm actually pretty good with that we're right in line with basically the rest of ADP, so I think we can move on from that. Not much uh, you want, to be honest. Tight end, it's Tyler Eifert is the starter, but again, you don't really want it, even in a two-tight end league or a tight end premium. He's ranked at 33 in the expert consensus. I have him 34, you have him 31. It's not worth mentioning. We also talked about the Jags' defense being significantly worse, so that ship has sailed for fantasy value purposes. So uh, we've got one more team to go through in the South, Neil, but we also have one more break to get through on our show. So we'll do that here real quick. All right. The last team is our shot call from last year, Neil. The Tennessee Titans. Remember when they all laughed? No, Mariota's job. No. <laughs> uh, the Titans lost Jarrell Casey, Logan Ryan, and Cameron Wake from an already vanilla defense. They were really man- uh, middle of the pack. And now they've lost a few key pieces that are going to slide them, in my opinion, into around the 20s. So it's tough to see them getting any better than they already were. On offense, they franchise tag Derrick Henry to keep him around. They also re-signed Ryan Tannehill. As a result, they were happy to let Mariota and Deion Lewis walk in free agency. They also let our guy, Delaney Walker, go. And as, as sad as we were to see Delaney uh, Walker move on, it's Janu season, baby. We're going to get into that in a second. Uh, but the biggest loss was right tackle Jack Conklin. 
They try to replace him with a rookie first-round pick in Isaiah Wilson, but we will see how that comes together. Ryan Tannehill, QB in the expert consensus, 16. He is going 15 on our site, 12 for me, 12 for you, 21 in ADP because the public forgets. (laughs) I mean, look, it's amazing. Here's what's amazing to me. They hate Ryan Tannehill. Here's what's amazing to me, Neil. The same people who want to remember three years ago and they want to remember what Ryan Tannehill did two years ago in Miami and the stats that he put up four years ago in the 2017 season and how he burned them so long ago are the exact same people that are easy to forget that over the last 10 weeks of last season he was QB5. So these people with these huge long-term memories have no short-term memory about what he was just able to do in this specific offense on this specific team. But his history on Miami, <laughs> that that just throws him out the window, and he's all, so, well, so terrible. It's also the same people that don't want to apply that logic to Brandon Cooks, but I don't want to like totally derail the whole show. And David Johnson. Like, and da- you, it is the you want to look at David Johnson and... Oh. Yeah, it's the what same David Johnson did in Arizona is irrelevant. Now he's in Houston. All right, what about Ryan Tannehill? Oh, what he's he's now in Tennessee, but that's irrelevant. Let's talk he's, about three years ago in Miami. Yeah, yeah, it is that it is that double logic, and it just it is it is vexing to watch. So no, there is no disputing what you said before. That was the thrust of our entire offseason meeting with the staff was when they finally got all the wheels pointed in the right direction, and it was officially his job. Same weapons that he's going to have QB five, five. And people are still sitting here trying to say, oh, I mean, maybe he could get into the top 12 or 15, I guess. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm being conservative at 12. I feel like I'm losing my mind. Like you just smooth out the algorithm a little bit. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. We backed it off from the pace he was on, knowing that that's probably not sustainable. And we're still getting the side eye from the industry and our own staff about this. And at this point, I'm just content to just tell everybody that they're wrong. And then this will be the DAT conversation that we had last year, this year. It will just do it again. It'll just be Tannehill. And that's it. For the very few smart people that are actually going to listen to us and follow our advice, Ryan Tannehill is going to finish as a top 12 quarterback. And that's with regression to last season's end of season pace built into it. That's the floor. So I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, how, the like, the only argument I've heard is he was so efficient, the efficiency has to come down. His completion percentage last year was 70%. All right. His touchdown percentage, so the rate at which he threw touchdowns per pass attempt, was 7.7%. Those were all off the charts. In our projections that you can find on importantnonsense.com, player projections. Ryan Tannehill, we dropped down to 65.7% completion percentage, right around his career average. We dropped down his touchdown rate to 5.8%, right around league median. And with the numbers, with the with the yardage, the touchdowns, the picks, the completions, a little bit of rushing, yeah, a little bit of rushing, a little bit of rushing, he still got. He comes in at QB 13 in the projection. Building in regression, using his career averages, 
Last year, yes, he had a highly efficient season, but just bringing him back down to the normal, he comes in at QB 13. So how you can be having him at QB 21 and still somehow fading him in the industry is mind-boggling. I I don't understand how you could possibly get there other than you just don't like Ryan Tannehill. Other than you have a built-in bias towards Ryan Tannehill. Or the Dolphins. Either way. The second one could be more real. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there's there's no mathematical justification for him being at 16 in the ECR and 21 in ADP. There's no... There's no math for this. That's just people's bias. And it's, yep. I'm telling you, don't listen to, don't listen to the other people in the draft room. Don't listen to the ECR. Well, I'm telling you, instead of Wrong. spending a second round pick on Lamar Jackson, I'm going to go in and spend yeah. a 13th round pick on Ryan Tannehill well, and yeah. just feast. And I'm going to love my life every day. I'm going to love my season. It's going to be amazing. And everybody's going to look at me like I'm some sort of genius. And it's like, no, nah, I just have a calculator. But speaking of guys that eat, Derek Henry... Running back six in the uh, consensus, running back six on our site, running back six with me, running back six with you, running back six in the ADP. I think we're good. I think we're good. We uh, think we can go ahead. Just the next year, one more year. The argument is, uh, I've seen a lot of things out there that, again, are are tough to, to argue against. The analytics that when they were projected for a certain amount of points... They went so far above those points, that point threshold, the following year there is built-in regression, that it's hard to hit the numbers that they had the previous year, that guys who led the league in carries and rushing yardage like Derrick Henry did wear down, and also the idea that, again, Conklin, they're they're missing a key piece to their offensive line. So there's I, I'm building in all of that, and our projection has him at RB9. And the reason I'm willing to move him up slightly to six is because of the guys in that area, I'm trying to say, if I'm in that spot, who do I feel the most comfortable with? And I'm the most comfortable saying that Derrick Henry can repeat a similar performance to what he did last year, because yes, I understand his age. Yes, I understand the difference on the offensive line, but you also have to remember that at his age, he is first of all in a contract year on a franchise tag trying to make that money. Second of all, He is coming into this in a situation where for the first two years of his career, he had to sit behind other running backs and was very rarely used. So his age is not so much a factor. DeMarco Murray, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you on memory. DeMarco Murray was gone, and then they signed Deion Lewis for no apparent reason. And then Matt LaFleur, who, by the way, loves just a single running back, right? Definitely not running back by committee. No, never does that. Yeah, he brought in Dion Lewis and just featured both split time between them. And then at the end of the season, was like, oh, hey, this Derrick Henry guy is so much better. And yeah. Matt LaFleur leaves. And guess what happens? Facial LaFleur, total facial. Derrick Henry goes off. Derrick Henry gets all the touches and suddenly he has a huge season. Shocker. Well, they oh, figured who could have seen they, it? They figured out the stat I was pumping Two years ago, which is the Titans don't seem to realize this, but when Derrick Henry gets 20 carries a game, they win 92% of their games. Go figure. Shocking. By the way, that number is not demonstrably different now. It has not gone down that much. It's like 88. It's really not that different. It's the same thing. That's the way that that works. You give Derrick Henry the ball 20 carries a game because on the 20th carry, they don't want to tackle him. It's, the, it's one of the most violent things I've ever seen happen on a football field, the way he runs. 
and the way he delivers contact. And so, yes, you can make the argument about, oh, you know, that, that's not sustainable. And I also heard people making the argument about, you know, the, the, the 300 cliff, you know, the 300 plus carries. And they're trying to make that argument. It's not it's not perfect for this one, but it's a confidence thing. There's nobody yeah. else I like in that spot more to return on investment than Derrick Henry, because as we've said, we've already baked in the regression. It's not. Yeah. And the only argument I, the only argument I'll even entertain is the idea that we're talking PPR here and Derrick Henry doesn't catch the ball. Exactly. But even then they don't really throw to the pass catching back. Just ask Dion Lewis, who's now in New York. Darrington Evans becomes the backup. (laughs) He will be little to no involved. Uh, but, Again, if something happens to Henry or if they want to split carries or something, Darrington Evans could have a role, but never enough to be fantasy relevant. Yeah, 100%. He can be the new yeah. Deion Lewis. Wide receivers, we've no. got uh, A.J. Brown coming into the second year after he had that breakout, the, the back half. We also got Corey Davis still there, Adam Humphreys back from injury, Khalif Raymond. I think there's only one man here that's worth mentioning. That's correct. And it's it's Corey Davis, right? Oh, we're finally done with that. Oh, hey, right. a million well, years goodbye. Later. We'll see you later. Uh, a million years later, we're finally get to be done with this. Thank you, America, for finally letting us not have to do that segment again. Uh, no, the man, the myth, the legend of AJ Brown, and I am the highest on him at fourteen. And you know, it kind of speaks to my Tannehill ranking, but also it's just AJ Brown proved down the back half that he can be a phenomenal player. I mean, he only he played in all sixteen games, but some of that was with Mariota, and he wasn't also the starter until well frankly, about six, six, seven weeks into the season. So he got right, 11 same starts. Same as Tannehill, basically. Yeah. yeah, he got 11 starts. And even with all the turmoil, all the nonsense, all the having to readjust to everything, 84 targets, 52 yards, crack 1,000, 1050 in terms of actual receiving yards, eight touchdowns. Oh, by the way, he tacks on, he tacks on 60 rushing yards and a rushing when you project that out for the full season and then build in the regression, same as we did with Tannehill, he comes in at around, it's about 16. And for me, I don't think we saw the full potential of what AJ Brown can be. So I've got to give him a couple points here in terms of just the consistency, having Tannehill for the whole year, having the same offense, being a sophomore in terms of being a rookie and trying to find his way through the NFL. And frankly, just for how explosive he is, the rushing that you're going to get out of him and the idea that he can absolutely fly at his size. I've got him at 14 overall and I feel great about it. I think there's no chance that he's not inside the top 15 at wide receiver. And I just think everybody's kind of just, they're a little scared. They're sleeping on him a little bit. They just don't know that he can quite get to that floor. So that's kind of been my argument for just AJ Brown, just a little bit higher than everybody else. Yeah. And again, I can't, argue too much with it uh 18 an expert consensus 16 on our site you mentioned you've got him 14 i have him 18 right with expert consensus same for adp so again he's right in that neighborhood the titans don't pass the ball a whole lot um, and yet he averaged he averaged 96 yards in the 11 games he started it's just if the uh, titans defense did get a little bit worse as i'm alluding to then yes they should be passing the ball more than they were. So he will certainly be a feature wide receiver. My only concern is we listed off the other guys there. So someone else has to take pressure off of him. It's just a matter of where does that go? And that leads us to the next spot here. Tight end. 
Tight end 16, Janu Smith in expert consensus. He's tight end 10 on our site, 13 for you, 16 in ADP. He is 7. Tight end 7 for this guy right here. <laughs> He's right there with the Jack Doyles of the world. Janu Smith. Look, this is the same way where I've had Delaney Walker so high for so many years compared oh, yeah. to everybody else. But look, Janu Smith is going to get that role. He's going to be a feature guy. You're talking about, again, 13th round, ADP, tight end 16, 16 in the consensus. Tell me, just look at the two of them physically, compare them, compare the offenses, compare the quarterbacks. Tell me that Jonu Smith is not Darren Waller. Tell me that Jonu <laughs> Smith cannot be that top five guy this year because uh, you're wrong. So there's the if difference. You tell me I- that you're wrong. I absolutely believe he could be that guy. But the reason I have him at, at tight end 13 and not seven, and I'm still higher than, wow, the ECR and the ADP, uh, I have some questions about the hands. He's not proven yet that he can catch as well as his predecessor, Delaney Walker. He's got a few more drops in that department. But again, this is going to be his like first real test, his first real but, yeah, year. Yeah, again, to your point, though, remember, that was our same discussion last year with Waller is how were the hands because the hands were so terrible in Baltimore that they just let him go for nothing. That's fair. And then he goes to Oakland and all of a sudden he was a top five guy last year. You can't tell me he's not Darren Waller and well, I can have him at basically the same price tag. There's one argument I could make, but it's deeply cynical. <laughs> <laughs> it's a deeply cynical argument that involves somebody recovering from a life set threatening substance abuse issue. So we won't really go into that. But because yeah, that's the thing I've ever heard, but it is the argument I see people making on Twitter because Twitter is always the most wholesome place, Steve, as we know. It's all, yeah, we all know that sunshine and rainbows and puppies. But no, it's, I can't, or I can't fight with you too hard about it, my man. Like he's, he's, he's got all the pieces are lining up in place for absolute. He monster has right all now. the physical intangibles and tools. He's right now, he's number seven. Him in standard deviation for tight ends. So he's fluctuating a lot. What are they going to do? Throw it to Corey Davis? Exactly. Seen that before. Doesn't go well. So he's fluctuating a lot in the back end of drafts. But still, even then, ADP is 13. Based on standard deviation, he's going as high as like the 12th or 11th round. Spend a 10th round pick. Hell, spend a 9. I'll go that. Just go ahead. Spend a 9th round pick and thank me later. Because Jonu Smith is absolutely worth it. If you want to wait, you can wait and have Jonu Smith and Ryan Tannehill as a stack. And then just send me the screen cap of you with your trophy at the end of the season. Because... <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we'll put it on the highlight reel for the website. Yeah, I'm sure. there you go. Because yeah, be that's it scroll. right there. It'll be on yeah, the scroll. Like I, I listened to at nonsense underscore Steve. And now I got Ryan Tannehill and Jonu Smith and won my title. You're welcome. You're welcome, America, in advance. Even right, if you don't want to make the Waller argument, I will say just as a closer, I mean, just make the Delaney Walker argument. Delaney Walker was a borderline top five guy for a number of years. In right, healthy Delaney Walker. Oh, yeah, it's they throw to the tight end. doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Titans defense, I have at nine, you have 11. It's, it's fantasy-wise. It's They take the ball away a lot. We'll see if that changes with the loss of Logan Ryan. That's going to impact it, certainly. Um, but yeah, in terms of like points given up, it's going to be very interesting to see a lot of what helps them out is the, the clock control. So 
Running the ball with Derrick Henry, giving very few plays to the opposing offense, helps the defense statistically. Not also, enough to make them a top-tier team, but... No, but it also forces the other offense into throwing a lot more histor- when you get right. towards the end of the game, which pumps their turnover numbers. So that's why exactly. the Tennessee yeah. Titans are very For, interesting. Force bad situations, yeah. Yep. Uh, but that's going to wrap up the AFC South. Next week, we're going to be looking at the AFC West. Neil, where can the people find you? As always, you can all find me at nonsense underscore Neil here every day, cranking out the nonsense. Check out the new uh, redraft trade tables that came out last Wednesday with me and my man, Wes Smith. Shout out once again to Wes. And uh, for all your early trading needs right there, just very simple. Add up both sides of the trade, higher number wins. Pretty straightforward. My favorite throw, by the way, with that is uh, shout out to Wes Smith, no relation. I, I, re- <laughs> okay. I really we'll like back. when you do we'll that. Go back to that, yeah. We'll I like that a lot. Shout out to Wes Smith, no relation. Yeah, it's, I like it. Uh, no nepotism. I appreciate no, that. No, no, never here. Yeah, right. Yeah, you can follow the site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NonsenseFF. Uh, you can follow us in the Important Nonsense community page on the Fantasy Life app. Make sure you're subscribing to the pod wherever you listen and leave us a five-star review. And, of course, once again, follow me everywhere at Nonsense underscore Steve. Until next week, make sure you just keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!